to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. I am Jordan Wiegand and with me today is a man who is on the move to Leeds United. It's Logan Stump. I was going to say, Jordan, wait, I think Leeds might be calling us uh, as part of their like official takeover of the United States. Um, yeah, we're the new official Leeds podcast. We need right. American podcasters. We need right. American players. You know, the funny thing about this is that before we get into all that, like there's rumors that the, that Leeds is like after a couple other Americans, which is absolutely wild. But Jordan, those couple Americans, why not us, right? I think there's a shirt that Mario Balotelli can give us why not us yeah we're rebranding the podcast we're now men in sweaters <laughs> so <what> we are <laughs> leads the way yeah uh so we are starting our previews today this is going to be covering vancouver seattle portland montreal and toronto uh that's right all the canadian teams and the pacific northwest covered in this episode today we're not doing one each episode anymore we feel like we've we've been able to get to the point of covering the league where uh you know when we first started out it's like all right give us the whole rundown of the team and now we're at the point of we we know your team and let's build off of what we already know and uh look also just the fact that the time crunch after the world cup is, is real, you know, teams didn't really start making moves until recently. And then if we did one for every single team, we have 25 days <laughs> until the season starts or so. And we have 30 teams about 29 teams. So it's at the point of becoming unbearable. Uh, we would have had to start after Christmas. And at that point, nobody was even making moves. So, you know, we're going to do these. Uh, we've we've come up with fun ways to group these together. We're looking to have a guest each episode. So we will have a guest today. We're having uh, Jeffrey Nesker from uh, Waking the Red. Well, I guess formerly from Waking the Red, because that's an SB Nation, right? Yeah, that's an SB. It's, uh, it's where we actually got Brady from our yes. very first preview. So. Yeah, so we'll have our guest on. They're going to be talking... Um, 
Toronto FC. We're going to cover the rest of the teams in this preview by ourselves. But before we get started into the preview, Weston McKenney is officially a Leeds player now. He is on loan from Juventus. So now we have three Americans plus Jack Harrison plus uh, Jesse Marsh at Leeds United. <laughs> um, my thoughts on this is I don't like it. And it's not that I, I know some people are like, you're, you're doubting McKinney. I'm not doubting McKinney. I think he can play in the Premier League. What I'm doubting is not even so much that they can, that this will help turn them around. I'm not even really doubting that what I'm doubting. I guess I'm not really doubting at all, but just the English fan reaction, right? Like if this team gets relegated, our reputation takes a hit, a huge hit because it's three of our players that were on the world cup squad, not just fringe players and an American coach that has worked with these players before, specifically Tyler Adams before. So my thought process is this is going to, this is going to really hurt if they get relegated. People are, it might stigmatize us even more, which is why I like having our players kind of spread out amongst all of these different teams is, I mean, and the reason I mean, I probably would have loved this years ago, but just seeing how Pulisic has been treated at Chelsea by Chelsea fans has made me really weary about having more Americans at one team like this. Uh, so that's kind of where I stand with it. I know we've had multiple Americans on teams before, like Tim Ream and Anthony Robinson, and that's worked well. But you're talking about three midfielders. The midfield is like the most important spot on the field that it's for me it's very worrying i think mckinney will be fine i think he'll do good it's just can this team stay up and you know i, I know that the Leeds fans have songs about adams and songs about aronson but i've already seen some of them turning on these players i've seen them turning on jesse marsh a bit i'm not ready to like deal with that at all yeah, so I like I'll present the opposite side just because I know we had different reactions to this, um, which I think is good. I think it's healthy to have uh, the opposite uh, kind of reaction. But no, I, you can only no, agree okay. with me, Logan. I was going to go off on some kind of hot take, like bring me more Americans. Like let's make this an absolute show. Uh, well, can of... I say I'm being hypocritical here because I was on the final <laughs> third, right? And I yeah, they asked me the. They asked me yep. what resolution, and I said sign more Americans, and they did, and now I'm upset. Look at that, so Jordan. I'm being hypocritical. Hypocritical here. Hypocritical. Um, you could be. Uh, no, but I, I think it's a loan option, so they obviously are covering. I think just. I, I think ultimately Leeds buys him anyway, but um, it felt like the loan option was just because they were trying to protect their butt in case they get relegated. Um, the loan option to buy over the summer leads can buy him um, and trigger that purchase clause. Uh, Leeds sits pretty well in the Premier League right now. Um, I know there's a lot of teams kind of in that mix for relegation, which has been wild. I think they're 16th, I want to say, 16th or 17th um, in the mix. And there's a lot of teams in and around them. But I feel, it, I think it would be different, Jordan, if this was like, you know, Pepe or, 
maybe DK or Weya. But I think because it is Weston McKinney, you now have two of the best American players uh, on the same team. So I think adding in Weston with Tyler Adams, this is a massive move in a way that I think it could help uh, the United States, that midfield playing well together. I think Brendan Aronson actually has the more, or sorry, more room to grow. He hasn't quite proven himself uh, as of yet. Um, And I think that that's a huge kind of hurdle for Brendan uh, at Leeds because he currently sits quite a bit now. So it it just, it seems like Brendan actually has the, the big question marks around him. I don't think Weston does. I think that this project goes well, just because I do think that, you know, Weston McKinney adds a lot to that midfield that I think keeps them up and keeps them out of relegation. Um, I do think too, if they're a team that goes down, they're a team that goes back up kind of like Fulham does. Um, I just feel like, this team's kind of built to do that. And I think that they can have success with, with Weston. So. Uh, they sit 15th place. They got a game in hand as well, but they have 18 points, Logan. Uh, that's three points away from being 13th, which is where Nottingham currently sits. Um, but it's also just one point above relegation right now. They have not won in their last five games. So that'll be, you know, <laughs> seems like every day, not every day, but every weekend, I wake up and Leeds has scored two minutes into the game or given up a goal two minutes into the game. And and that's the kind of stuff that needs to stop, right? Where they score early and then they give it up three minutes later. I, I swear there was a game that was like that, where they scored two minutes in and five minutes in, it's equal already. And you're like, just like settle down. And it's not a Jesse Marsh thing. It's not a Bielsa thing. It is something going on with Leeds and their defense that has spanned both of those managers where they're just leaking goals all the time. Like that's why I can't put it all on Jesse Marsh, but you know, he's got to sort this out before he ends up getting fired. And I would say even in, I think their promotion season, um, they were good defensively, but I think their thing has always been, let's out shoot them. Um, that was the way Bielsa always played. Bielsa always played. Let's just outscore our opponents. Um, that doesn't really work in Premier League, and you you're you're a big advocate for defense in the Premier League. Mm-hmm. And if you look back at the history of the Premier League, it's defenses that have won people titles. It's not about how much they score. When City have not had a defense, great defense. wins championships. Right. Yes, and I feel like it's a it's a hundred percent in this sport. Like I, I feel like there are other sports you can kind of get away with it. Baseball, you definitely can get away with it. Soccer, I mean, it just leaves you exposed. Basketball, I think as well. So. Um, I think it's uh, with basketball. You can defense. get away with no defense because right. they're just running up and down the court <laughs> they don't uh, in anyway. three seconds. Right. <laughs> <laughs> but, but yeah, um, maybe college basketball, you might yeah. need some defense, but the, the pros, it's like yeah. 10 points scored in three seconds. I'm like, Oh my God, what is going on? <laughs> uh, Ernie Stewart and Brian McBride have left us soccer. So we're not going to spend too much time on this because we do have to get to the previews, but uh, Ernie Stewart's going back to what PSV Eindhoven uh, and Brian McBride was looking for a chance to somehow move up in U.S. soccer. I think he said in his note, but then that didn't materialize, but he had already left his post. So he's just leaving something like that. Whatever. Our GM is gone. Our. Uh, whatever the hell Ernie was CEO. CEO. Yeah. That's such a stupid thing. Whatever. Both of them are gone. And I just want to say, for anybody that keeps sharing 
these goddamn articles that say Jose Mourinho has been approached to be the U.S. manager or Bielsa is interested or U.S. soccer has reached out to Zidane. Let me tell you something. Ignore it. Ignore it because what they just said in the press conference is that the GM is going to make the decision. We have no GM, which means nobody is actually in the running right now. You know, they say Greg's in the running. He's probably the only one in the running right now because he had the job. Nobody, they're going to get the GM first, right? And then the GM is going to hire somebody. So I I can't believe any of these stories going around because the day after Logan, the day after that stupid press conference was, I think, the Bielsa storyline. And I saw Tenorio retweet it as well. And he's like, this is, he, he said something like, you know, about the GM is the one making the decision. They said there's no GM, which means this isn't true. So just everybody's going to be linked to it because their manager is going to link them to it to try to get some sort of another job. You know, Bielsa was also in the running for a club job. He is also in the running for the Mexico job. So I'm sure he's his manager or somebody is trying to make him link to every job on earth. So that way it makes somebody overpay or sign them faster, but let's wait. We're going to get the GM hopefully soon. And then the coach by the summer, that's the goal for them. They said by the summer, have a coach. That's what I said. We want it right. When we kept talking about hiring a new coach, let's get it by the summer. But because unfortunately, Anthony Hudson is going to become the interim coach until a new one is appointed. And as we mentioned multiple times, talk about failing upwards. And uh, not nothing in those two friendlies shown me that Hudson is at all capable of of coaching in this level. Yeah, no, he knows he knows Greg's system. That's it. Like he just knows how to run Greg's system, and not very efficiently, obviously, but. I don't know. It seems like that. I think it's safe to say, Jordan, that Everton Football Club are going to have another manager before we see a U.S. men's national team coach. They already now. did. They hired Sean Dyche. No, I meant after him. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> it could, no, that could be true. That's another manager. Like, he, gosh, Jordan, that is what it could be true. You know, I thought Dyche did very well where he was, but then I saw his stats and he had like 100 some losses Apparently, and a right? 28% win percentage mm-hmm. i'm like okay maybe he wasn't that great it was burnley what was that whole <laughs> yeah i thought he did motivation. well there but he, he you well look at the academy. stats and you're like yeah maybe not he does well with like developing players like tarkowski's fantastic um but you can i mean i don't know it kind of shows you maybe how weak he was because of how well vincent company's done like that's really like everton's got to be going you gotta be kidding me like vincent company's turn this team completely around on its head and have them basically up in the prem now. And now Everton's coached by the guy that couldn't keep Burnley up. Everton's in some, uh, some trouble, but we're not an Everton podcast. So we're going to get moving. Uh, Brenner is unlikely to move. Now this came out right before we recorded and uh, he's going to be staying at least through the summer as Nottingham Forest couldn't get a deal done before the deadline day. Um, I guess they're just still far apart on stuff. So 
not enough time left to really get that. I think it's like uh, it ends sometime tomorrow, but I think they're already done trying to make that work. Oops, just hit my microphone. I can cut that out. The perks of not doing it live. All right, so we got more MLS Apple news here. Just real quick, they announced a lot more people. 31 people, I think they announced. Uh, match analysts, we have Patrice Bernier, who's going to be on the French side. Eduardo Biscayart for the Spanish side. Brian Dunseth, Danny Higginbotham, uh, Kobe Jones, Devin Kerr, Jamie Macias, uh, Francisco Pinto, Heath Pierce, Lloyd Sam, Ross Smith, Carlos Suarez, and Jamie Watson are going to be match analysts. Friend of the pod, Jamie Watson. Play-by-play, Dre Cordero, Keith Costigan, Matt Cullen is going to be on French side of that. Keith, uh, sorry, Kevin Egan, Mark Followill, Adrian Garcia Marquez for Spanish, Adrian Healy, Eric Krakauer, Jorge Perez Navarro for Spanish, Francisco X Rivera, Spanish, Mark Rogandino. That name takes me back. He was commentating like CONCACAF Champions League stuff on Fox Soccer Channel when That's I was funny. watching it back in 2009 and uh, just love seeing his name attached to stuff still. Sergio Ruiz in Spanish, Tyler Terrens, and Caleb Williams. Uh, studio hosts, we have Stefano Fasaro, who will be Spanish, and Kaylin Kyle. Studio analyst, Shep Messing, and rules analyst, Christina Uncle. So there you go. A lot of names. Okay. I think we're ready to jump into our previews. So we're going to start with Vancouver. Logan. Last year, they finished ninth in the Western Conference. We've kind of talked about how they've been one of the more irrelevant teams, right, since you started covering the league. Uh, they finished with 43 points. They were fourth, four points off of the playoffs, so they were not as irrelevant, I guess. They scored only 40 goals, and they gave up 57. Uh, they had 10 wins at home, which was actually tied for second most in the West, if that is not a stat that would blow your mind, but they had just two wins on the road and 11 losses. So if we're looking at last year, they had a player, the player that led the team only scored nine goals, Cavallini. They had the fourth worst team defensively and uh, second to last in XG and their possession, 41.9% possession last in league. So I ask you, looking back at last year, how much of an increase can we expect for Vancouver when we're looking at some of these stats? And, uh, I mean, their league goal scorer has left, right? Yeah, so Cavallini's gone. Uh, Brian White, Jordan, was somebody that I know you and I talked about, U.S. Men's National Team shout, like maybe getting some time in the camps uh, over the summer. Um, but, man, did he never really take off at all. Um just a, a disappointing year for somebody that they thought was going to be so good. Um, and I mean, really it, it was a, a drastic drop off for Brian white, a drastic drop off for Vancouver. I mean, it, people could say, well, they just were outside the playoffs. That's not drastic. But I think with the expectations that this team had Jordan and with Vanny Sartini, who we think or thought could have been like this, like dark horse coach of the year candidate, if they had played well, if Vancouver had kind of played, um, 
better soccer and and especially at this western conference that i think some of the big boys weren't especially in the cascadia region the guys that are usually challenging them for those spots you know they drop off the table so vancouver really had a chance last year um and when you look at it you and i remember talking about how they started the season and just this club was just underwhelming. Um, I think you could see some major progression um, just in the fact that Dayber Caicedo um, did go out last year with a knee injury. He is back. Um, but Jordan, this team ever adds, and I know that you've been covering the league, so maybe you can speak to this a little bit, but can you remember a time where Vancouver had higher hopes than they had last year and came crashing down? Because I just don't, this club just feels like an inevitable, uh, sorry to say this, but an inevitable loser, like somebody that's going to be on the cusp of the playoffs every year. Well, you know, Vancouver had to have high, high hopes for a living, and they have not been able to live up to those hopes at all. Every year, when's the last time they made the playoffs? They made it in 2021, um, but before that, it was 2027 or 2020, 2017. Um, They've only made the playoffs one, two, three, four, five years out of their. Okay, so they have made it five years. Okay. Yeah. But it looks, Jordan, that they're they've never been good, like like really good. They've just been kind of that, like I said, that cusp, that area where you just sit there and go, "We made it." Yeah. So they reached a quarterfinal in 2017. That's the farthest they've gone. So that's that's enough right there, right? To tell you, they usually get bumped out in round one. 2012, bumped out in round one. 2014, bumped out in round one. And then in between these is usually like 2011, did not qualify. 2013, did not qualify. Quarterfinal 2015, did not qualify 2016. Quarterfinal 2017, did not qualify 18, 19, 20. Got bumped out in round one in 2021, did not qualify 2022. I mean, they just don't, just don't go anywhere. That's, I mean, if I'm a Vancouver fan, why the hell am I watching? Right? They're not, they're not good. They're not good in MLS. Now they had a, you know, they were a team before they were in the MLS as well. They had the rivalry with the, uh, you know, Sounders and, and Timbers. But, I mean, <laughs> I'm looking at their top goal scorers, okay, in a season. We had 25. They, wait, did they hit somebody that scored? Yeah, 25 goals. It says 22 here. It's kind of confusing the way. I guess maybe... 22 in MLS and the rest were all competitions, maybe. I don't know. Sanvezo, Camilo Savant Sanvezo, 2013. They didn't qualify they didn't qualify for the playoffs. <laughs> Are you but they serious? had a person scored 22 goals. <laughs> right. And the rest of these numbers, Logan, are 13, 8, 9, 10, 9. Freddie Montero with 15 when they made the playoffs. Kai Kamara with 17, and they didn't make the playoffs. Then back to Freddie Montero with eight, then six with Cavallini, 12 for Dahomey and Brian White, nine for Cavallini. I mean, they don't have anyone that's going to score goals most of the time. Like, and, and that's what they need. 
right? You need somebody that's going to score more than nine. Most of their top goals are nine or ten. If you're going to make the playoffs, and they're losing Cavallini, who's their top goal scorer last year. They're losing Florian Youngverth, who retires and joins the coaching staff. Uh, they're what losing Jake Nervinsky, Marcus Godino, Cody Cropper, the goalkeeper. And what are they bringing in here? So they've brought in a goalkeeper, Yohei uh, Takaoka. They're rumored to be after him. They're not quite bringing him in yet. I don't know why I put that on their arrivals. I think I put that on their arrivals just because he's linked heavily, but there's just no confirmation. That's what I was uh, kind okay. of pointing at. So, so they're trying, but yeah. even then it's just a goalkeeper, right? right. Uh, which, I mean, they give up a lot of goals, so they, they do need that. <laughs> Uh, they're also bringing in, uh, they selected a center back in the re-entry draft, Karifa Yao, and they added a second center back, um, through the free transfer using target allocation money, Matthias Laborda. Again, so no striker, right? I mean, I guess Brian White is who they're leaning on here, <laughs> yeah. but Four I don't know if he's year. at that, I don't know if he's at that caliber to be what they need to be 12 goals and five assists. You said in 27 matches in 2021, but then he only scored four goals and one assist in 26 matches in 2022. I I don't know what a successful season is for this team because the way that they keep rolling, right? Is just missing out. On the all those years that they did not qualify, Logan, they're eighth, they're ninth, they're eighth, they're seventh, they're ninth in the position of the conference, just outside the playoffs, just missing each time, but they never get better. So a successful season would actually be making the playoffs, but then I almost have to put a caveat there that they then have to improve the following year. They cannot just make it in round one, get bounced out, and then not qualify again in 2024. Like, that's my goal for the Whitecaps. I mean, I've covered him now for what? This is my third year. Um, we've talked about Ryan Gould. We've talked about Brian White. We've talked about uh, Dahomey. We've talked about Caicedo. I mean, we just... How like, pumped were we about Caicedo? Remember right? that? That was yeah. your first year. We were like, yeah. oh my God, they got Caicedo. We had a right. great talk with... yeah. Uh, our guest and yeah. he did nothing. I mean, yeah. like they, the team did nothing. Yeah. And Sam, I've listened to Sam's podcast since and Alex is, and they've, they've talked about just the fact that like Caicedo is a big piece, but like, man, he doesn't stay healthy. He didn't have the best of years when he came into, and, you know, it's an adjustment period, but I mean, Caicedo, honestly, their best player is uh, Julian Gressel and Gressel's played. He had a great little uh, camp cupcake with the United States had a really lovely yeah. pass, probably one of the best crossers in this league they've ever seen. Um, I mean, honestly, he's, he's the, he's the sole player on this team, Jordan, that I, I look at besides Caicedo, depending on when he gets back and, and he's, you know, if he's healthy enough to play all year um, will kind of be the test. But like you said, Jordan, I, I think the biggest thing with this club is they just, they're not going to be able to create enough chances and goals um, with the front three that they have. I think they struggle tremendously with putting the ball in the back of the net. Um, if Ryan Gold's not going to have 14 to 15 goals, which is highly unlikely, I mean, this team is looking at the same fate, if not worse, this year. Um, because I think everybody in the West is, besides Houston, I would say, 
is getting better. Like they're inching to get better. So this could be ugly for Vancouver, especially if Caicedo's not healthy and Brian White don't score. Yeah, second to last in XG just shows you they're not even getting good chances. And their possession being 41%, which is last in the league, showing you that they're not even holding onto the ball, which is in turn part of the reason why they're probably not getting as many chances. But they're also giving up a lot of goals. So this, if I'm a Vancouver fan, what I would actually rather is just gut it. Gut the whole thing, restart. Because, and I know they probably wouldn't like that because they feel like they're probably, they probably feel like we're so close to the playoffs every time. But it, it's like, it, it's just like a team that you think keeps trying to like put it together and they do it like half heartedly and then they can't get it. Like they just, like even if they make the playoffs, this team's not winning MLS Cup. So that's frustrating. Anything else on Vancouver before we move on? No, I think they're wasting Vanny Sartini because I think he's a good coach. But other than that, it's just status quo. I, I, I don't see – I'm don't. i not going to give away our predictions, but I don't see this team making the playoffs this year. All right, so we'll move over to Seattle, their rivals. Seattle Sounders head coach is Brian Schmetzer. Let's look back on last year. So they had the highest of highs and they had the lowest of lows, Logan. They were the first MLS team ever to win the CONCACAF Champions League, and they're about to play in the FIFA Club World Cup before it changes format. Um, Starting like this week, right? I think it's the first to the 11th that the cup runs, and I think they enter on the second or something. Is that right? Yeah, uh, they play Saturday, I think, the fourth. Okay, fourth, yeah. Yeah, they play... What is it? I had it listed here. Whoever they play, I can't remember. Auckland City FC out of New Zealand or Al Ali out of Egypt, and both teams beatable. And yeah, then, that's, a, that's a good draw for them, right? Look who looms is Real Madrid. So yeah, that's how it always goes. So cool though. Like that'd be so cool if the Sounders played Real Madrid. So that's the highest of highs, the lowest of lows. Logan, they finished eleventh in the Western Conference last year, which is how many teams? Twelve, thirteen. <laughs> 14 15 i don't remember there's too many numbers it's near now. the bottom i'll say yeah. that much 11 is is not even close to the middle of the western conference and we kept saying the whole year okay we'll wait until they get out of ccl and wait until they you know hit a stretch and they'll go off on a run they never did raul Rui diaz didn't really turn it on you also had uh roldan having surgery uh, Rui Diaz only had 1,300 minutes, actually. Um, Jao Paulo tore his ACL in the final of the CCL, and they only scored 44 goals all season, and they gave up 46. So they do finish with a negative goal differential. And this was the first time that they did not make the playoffs. So this is why I say lowest to lowest. Yes, they didn't finish last but they've never missed the playoffs in their 14 years in MLS history until last year. Just never really got on a nice streak, like I said before. And they lost the second most matches in the West with 17. So where do we go from here? So departing is Will Bruin. He only had three goals last year, but he was good backup. He was great in his role. Uh, Jimmy Madronda played in 21 matches off the bench. 
So they haven't lost too much, right? But what did they bring in? Ah, the signing I really like here, Heber from NYCFC in a trade, eight goals in 29 matches, and he had nine starts for NYCFC in 2022. So he's probably going to get more playing time, I think. He's probably going to score more goals, I would think. So, Logan, I ask it to you. They're the first club to get to the Club World Cup. What does it mean to them? And how much are they putting into this here while they're in the middle of preseason? Yeah, so the team is actually training. Um, I think they were headed to, I want to say it's Morocco where it's being played. Um, might be wrong, but um, they were or they were training in Morocco and headed somewhere else. But either way. I, right, I think it's Morocco. I think it was Morocco. Um but yeah, Brian Schmetzer, I read an article, uh, said that the team's excited, said that this is an opportunity to show, you know, that MLS teams do belong on this world stage. And if you get past one of these two teams, whether it's in uh, the club from New Zealand, Auckland City, or you get by Al Ali um, from Egypt, Jordan, you're playing Real Madrid, Champion League, Real Madrid, won the Champions League, um, a phenomenal team, a, a historic club, and the amount of exposure to this league could be massive. Uh, and while Seattle did struggle last year, um, this felt like a team that was on one mission and they got that mission completed. Um, of course, they're never going to come out and say, you know, MLS Cup was not something that they were eyeballing. Of course it was. But I think with all the injuries and stuff that happened right after CCL, it just didn't become possible for this team. Um, a team that was just looked out of gas for most of the season. And by the time they did start to pick up a little bit, it was like Jordan, once they went on that kind of like incline a little bit, it got absolutely smashed because Rui Diaz just didn't stay healthy. Roldan goes out and is out for the year. Um, Joao Paulo, who's one of their best players, is out for the season. They don't get good goal distribution because Jordan Morris isn't Jordan Morris of old. So it, it really is. It's a team that was kind of in flux. They're trying to, you know, learn how to play about around Albert Rusnak. Um, but I think this club is somebody that could compete with a Real Madrid. I know that sounds nuts. Um, but I, if I'm going to put any club out there right now, on paper, this is one of the best teams I think that MLS has to offer if they're all healthy. So, no, I, I think this is huge. Um, you've obviously been watching it a lot longer. So you know that, I mean, you've been waiting around for this moment for so long, as many of the fans have that have been watching MLS. Um and this Sounders waiting club. so long <laughs> to they're about to change the whole format, right? <laughs> that it doesn't matter, right? But yeah, yeah. So I'm glad the Sounders got in because before the format changed, because it, it, it is still that kind of, um, I guess, beautiful moment of the Sounders getting to play against some of these world clubs, um, that you just never really get to see. So pretty cool. Let's talk about the biggest loss that they had Garth Loggerway is left to Atlanta United. Um, now they had, what was his name? I'm totally blanking right now. Um, stepped up to uh, fill in for him. Uh, he was like the assistant GM. So so they should be good, right? Like if you learn from Loggerway, you're probably good to go, but I think this could still probably hurt a little bit. We'll see. But what's a successful season for Seattle Sounders? I, I think if I'm asking myself this, it's get past the first game of the Club World Cup. Get to that Real Madrid game. Play against Real Madrid. That's why we wanted teams to get there, is to play against the best teams. 
And then I would say, you have to make the playoffs. And what I'll put on them, I'll put the pressure on them. This is the prestige franchise of MLS Logan. I'm going to put pressure on them right now and say, they have to have the home playoff game. They have to be in the top half. That's my, if that's how the playoffs are going to work, I guess is how we have to do it. But I, I say they have to be top four in the West and they have to get past that first game of the uh, Club World Cup. And I would say this is a successful season. If they lose this first game against these no-name teams and they uh, are on the road in the playoffs, and then they're in some big trouble. Yeah, no, I agree. I think, uh, yeah, successful season is them. I would even go as far as to say get back to where you thought you were going to be last year. Uh, challenge for MLS Cup, challenge for the West. You should be up there with Austin LAFC. Um Injuries aside, I mean, this club, Jordan, this club is like that crew club, but I think even stronger. Like, this is a Sounders club that was really good. And, you know, the crew, people always like, well, the crew, that that season in 2021, they were supposed to be phenomenal, this dream team. But you got to remember, they finished the bottom, towards the bottom of the playoffs, um, and then made that run to MLS Cup and won that cup. The Sounders... Against the Seattle Sounders. (laughs) Right. The Sounders club has been in MLS finals, uh, cup finals in the last couple of years. They've been uh, in that area. They've won Champions League. Like, they beat some of the best teams in this continent. So it's like you've got to be able to get back to what you thought you were going to be. There is no reason this team should not finish at least second in the Western Conference. So I'm going to put even more pressure on them, Jordan. If they're healthy, this team needs to be challenging for MLS Cup and Supporters Shield. I'm going to put that down um, because it, it is a talented roster. And if all things go well, this team should be at the top. All righty. Portland head coach Gio Savarese. Let's reflect on the past. Last year, they finished eighth in the Western Conference, which is the first time that they and Seattle both missed the playoffs. They're each other's number one rivals, so nobody had bragging rights over <laughs> over that last year, I guess. Um, they scored 53 goals, but they also gave up 53. So, you know, they're scoring, but they're struggling defensively. And, of course, the whole season was clouded over by the prominent role in the Sally Yates report with the s- systematic abuse in women's soccer that has now caused... Um, Merritt Paulson to list the thorns for sale, though he is still going to be keeping the timbers. And uh, they had to get a point on decision day to make the playoffs, but they got outplayed by RSL 3-1 loss. And it'll be interesting to see how, going back to the Merritt Paulson thing, with him keeping control of this club, you know, the supporters of the thorns are the supporters of the timbers, right? So, it doesn't seem to help, right? Like, it, and it almost seems like what Paulson's doing is, I'll, I'll keep the franchise I like more. Is almost what it seems like, right? Like, okay, Timber's probably bringing more money right now, so he's probably like, oh, I'll okay, I'll keep this one. I'll sell the other one. But they play at the same stadium. So far, I guess that might change. They had the same owner. And why does he get to keep this team? And and we know the Portland fans are very vocal about this stuff. They already have done numerous protests before. It's going to put a real cloud on this. I think some people are trying to say, like, don't buy tickets for, like, the 
the opening game, you know? So like that kind of stuff might be a cloud that continues to linger over them as we go into 2023. Now it's just a question of, is it a distraction for the players? They did have one key departure, Jose Van Rank, uh, Rankin, who uh, wasn't that great last year, but, um, you know, th- they're struggling defensively. He's in the right back spot. Um, so so they lost that. They bring in Evander, who is a uh, center midfielder, 39 goals for the Brazilian in 123 matches with Michelin. Uh, they also are bringing in Juan David Mosquera, who is a right back. So I guess that can kind of fill in for Jose Van Rankin right there. Um. Oh, okay. So he was on the Columbia team that just yes. played, right? Yeah, yeah you didn't get to see him. Yeah. I didn't know. I didn't get to see that game. Yeah. My in-laws, I was at the in-laws. They didn't have it on. Yeah. No, I, I, ahead, I. Sorry, go ahead. go ahead. No, go ahead. I'll, say, I'll speak on them later. Looking ahead to 2023, can they be better defensively, Logan? How much does the off-the-pitch stuff impact this club and fan base? Will Evander make the difference? Will he be a big difference? This is an aging team and core. Can they stay healthy? That's my big question because I feel like this team is kind of past its prime. It's almost like trying to watch the LA Lakers right now and LeBron's still putting up numbers, but everyone else around them kind of sucks. And that's how I kind of think this team might be going like just an aging team that can't get it. Can't get to where they once were. Uh, You never know when a team is just going to fall off the cliff. And that's how I feel like Portland's kind of been. Yeah. I would say it's, it's worrisome for their core just because I mean, you've got the Charas uh, who are getting up there in age um sebastian blanco um uh, 33 years old and and you know I, I think can't play as much as he used to 20 starts and 32 matches last year did play most of the matches um but was not able to kind of go the full 90 just to kind of get back into that the uh, you know form and fitness seven goals um darian espria 29 years old um so a, a guy that they rely heavily upon 10 goals last year uh, in the 29 matches that he played, 19 starts. But again, it, it does feel like, I don't know, like looking at these two signings, they're fantastic signings. They actually might win the two signings of the offseason. I would say Orlando's pretty high up there. I would say Tempers are really high up there as far as big signings. And then now Red Bull. Um, so I think they've got good offseason signings. Uh, Mas- uh, what was it? Mascara? Is that how you pronounce that? I think. Um, he was phenomenal. Uh, I know you didn't get to see him much, um, but even Sam uh, was tweeting um, and uh, about Mascara, and he was just he was all over the place. Joining the attack, great defensively, really looked like he could be a threat in this league coming up this season. So I'm excited to see that. From everything I've heard, Evander is supposed to be kind of that special midfielder, kind of like a Hani Mukhtar. Um, so you know, MVP caliber could be uh, potentially so. Uh, and again, th- those signings, it just is a matter of just wait and see, really, with those big signings that they say could be something special in this league. Uh, but the same concerns kind of exist. Uh, how much is the off-field stuff going to interrupt? How much are the fans going to be behind this team when they know that the money going to this team is also going to Merritt Paulson, which I think is really hard, especially for Portland Temper fans, because 
Uh, they are a very progressive fan base. They are a fan base that care about people. They are a fan base that will not get behind somebody that is uh, as disastrous as Merritt has been with this club. Um, so I think their supporter groups were saying not to show up in this first match, which was a huge. I mean, Jordan, could you imagine that place without its fans? Like, I, I just I can't even picture that what that looks like. Just a lonely chainsaw sitting there. Nobody to cut <laughs> down the tree. Uh, but yeah, I think Jordan, this team could be good. Like, I think it could be, I mean, I, I think it's a middle well, you said that you think they can be good. What is a successful season? What is good in yeah. Logan's definition here for the Timbers? I would say the fourth spot or above for the Timbers. Um, I think they need to be up there uh, with these two signings. I think they could very well be. Um, but again, it'll all depend on how those aging core players around start to play. If they defend better, Jordan, that's automatically going to propel this team forward um, because they were def- they, defensively, they were awful last season. So I think fourth and above, I don't know. I'll, what about I'll you? go. They just have to make it in okay. to, to be successful. Um, maybe I'm being too lenient on them there, but I think, you know, I always have them as right below Seattle. What I mean by that is like Seattle, Prestige, Portland, just a smidge under. So if I'm going to give Seattle, oh, you have to be top four and get past your first game of CCL. I feel like I'm going to expect a little less from Portland. So I'm going to lower it a little bit to just make it in. And I guess Portland can take that as a slight if they want. I don't mean it like that. But it's just uh, they're kind of usually more fluctuating than than Seattle. I feel like so that's where I'll, that's where I'll end up with them. All right, let's go uh, to Canada again for Montreal, who has a brand new coach, Hernan Losada. We saw him at DC United. Was that last year, really? Oh gosh, yes. It was. It was like the beginning of yeah, last year. Because right? we <laughs> joked around with uh, Jamie Watson about him getting fired. Wow, that's nuts. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So there you go. Uh, second in the East last season. They played really well under Wilfred Nancy, but he is now moving on to the crew. And they challenged the Union for the number one spot for a good chunk of the time. They got great seasons from Kyoto. That's my boy. We had Mahalovic, who's now gone. Kamara, who is gone. Uh, Johnston, Lapalainen, and Kone. Kone is gone too, right? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Johnston's gone. Kone's gone. And Kamara. John- yeah, Alistair Johnston's gone. Yeah. Hoping <laughs> Torres, Gabriel Corbo, Sebastian Breza. They're all gone. All right. They were bounced out of the playoffs by NYCFC, crushed at home three to one. Now, you put in the notes here, laid an egg. I, I would say that NYCFC, I think, is just a better team anyway. So they did allow 50 goals, but they did score 63. So they played pretty darn good in front of goal to score them. But they lose a lot of the big contributors. They lose their biggest contributor and their coach. <laughs> and they have... Uh, I mean, Kamara's not gone yet, but he put in a trade request. So let me clarify that. Kamara's not gone yet, but he, he asked for a trade. Probably because everything's fallen around, uh, falling apart around him. 
They bring in George Campbell from Atlanta United. They bring in Aaron Herrera from RSL. And they sign a Panathinaikos, right? Panathinaikos uh, midfielder, Elias, uh, Elias Eladis. And yes, their new arrival, their brand new logo that they have now. It looks a lot better. I like this logo a lot. Looking ahead to 2023, right, uh, is the tons of turnover. What has Hernan Losada learned, right? He kind of got pushed out of DC because of some questionable ways he ran the team. The East is weak though. So can they quickly rebuild and will Kai Kamara leave? How long does this trade request hang over the team? So which one out of those things do you think is the biggest question mark as we head in? to 2023. Oh man, that's a tough one. Um, I I guess the biggest question for me would be, uh, how much does the turnover really impact, uh, impact it? Uh, how much does it impact Montreal? Uh, and can that turnover kind of, uh, I guess, can that turnover really be something um, that impacts Aaron Losada in a way that is detrimental to this team's success in 2023. Um, I think Jordan Losada actually had a very n- not so good uh, DC United team playing pretty well um, before he got fired for. Um, I guess the I guess the way to say that is that he was uh, helicopter parenting uh, and telling the players that they couldn't be too fat um, and. The conditioning was intense. Yeah, the, you know, if, if you spend any time on the, the, there's a subreddit called "Am I the asshole?" This, yeah, it would be it would be a post on there for sure of like, yeah. "Am I the asshole for making my players think they're fat?" Yeah. Um. So I think that's it. I think it's the turnover. Honestly, it's Mihailovic who was MVP caliber. You and I talked about this. He was an MVP MVP caliber player. Could have won it if. I think Montreal had done a little better and he didn't get hurt towards the later part of the season. I think there was like a seven or eight game stretch there where he was hurt. They lose Alistair Johnson, who was probably one of the best uh, backs in this league. Um, I think he was making a name for himself and obviously made a big enough name for himself to end up over in Scotland, I believe. So it, it just, there's a whole lot of stuff. Ishmael Kone was phenomenal. You and I were shocked about how good he was. I think he's with Wolverhampton now. So it's like it, the, the, the amount of, things missing from this team. And I heard like extra time was talking about like this team should be about where they were last year. I was like, I don't, I don't see it. I don't see it at all. Like Wilfred Nancy was so good. And so were all these players that they're going to be missing this year. So that leaves us the question of what is a successful season for Montreal, right? Because my thought process is you lose all of that. A successful season is the last playoff spot like that's it's a weak east you can do it if if everything works out right but uh, you don't want to fall out of the playoffs so i'm going to go ahead and say that a successful season would be even just getting in that last spot yeah adding george campbell and aaron herrera it doesn't solidify any kind of defensive effort i don't think aaron herrera is what he used to be um I don't know. Like, I don't, I just don't see it at all. And I know 
Jordan, last time you and I predicted this team not to do well, we absolutely got crushed. Um, but I just don't think this team is a playoff team right now. When I'm looking at it with some of the way that these Eastern Conference teams that kind of made some moves this summer, I, I'm, I'm right there with you. A successful season for them would be to make the playoffs. And I know that sounds crazy because they're the number two team in the East. But last year, if they hadn't scored all those goals, I mean, they really would have struggled just because they, they don't play well defensively. So I, I'm going, they need to make the playoffs. That's a successful year. But I, I think my predictions, um, you know, not not to kind of give it away, but I, I just, this team's going to have a very hard time making the playoffs this year, I think. And Nashville's back in the East. So that's the, that's the thing, right? So if anybody's offended by the way we've talked about your team, by the way, just look at our review from last year because we were wrong on a lot of this stuff. So, like, <laughs> we are. That means Montreal is going to win the East. They're going to, like, win the MLS Cup. But uh, I think a team that can actually have a good shot at challenging in the East is this Toronto FC team as we move now to Toronto. But we are not going to talk about them right now because we are going to take a break. We're going to come back. We're going to welcome our guest. And we're going to talk all about TFC under Bob Bradley. And we are back and we're having our Toronto preview now with Jeffrey Nesker. Hello, Jeff. How are you today? Oh, whoops. Sorry. Uh, my Adobe Premiere just kind of invaded <laughs> okay. my, uh, my window. <laughs> so uh, I'm doing great. We can uh, rewind that. I'm doing wonderful. Adobe <laughs> Premiere doesn't exist. There's no no problems whatsoever. Uh, uh, how you chats doing? Uh, how... What what uh, what's your fix on on MLS twenty twenty three now that you've uh, you've gone a little bit into a deep dive with some uh, with some people covering all the different markets? Well, uh, so we usually like to do this every year. Um, we used to do more like in like each team used to get a separate uh, episode, but this year after the World Cup, kind of a crunch of getting everything ready for February twenty fifth. Absolutely. Um, but yeah, so far, I think this will actually be our first preview. Um, well, we, we previewed a few other teams this episode, which was like the rest of the Canadian teams and Seattle and Portland. And nice. um, I don't know. I'm actually talking about Toronto. I, right before we introduced you, I actually said I feel pretty good about Toronto's chances this year of at least making hmm. playoffs. I, I do like what they've, what they've done so far. I mean... Let, how can you not like signing Lorenzo Insigne and then doubling that, doubling that up with a little right. bit of Federico Bernadeschi, right? Um, yeah, it's you know it's been we, we say this on on our show uh, to sort of uh, silence the the pitchfork mobs that are that are out for big name signings this off season. We had our big off season last year. I mean, we made the splashes uh, last off season. Um, so, you know, to expect us to do it, I mean, obviously Toronto, the expectations are pretty high, but to expect us to do that again, especially coming off the back of missing the playoffs for the, for the second season in a row is a little unrealistic. Absolutely. Well, I guess what would Toronto fans want? Cause I mean, I'm looking at some of these signings, right. And you have Matt Hedges coming in, Sean Johnson, uh, Diamande, like these are some, mm -hmm. I think pretty good signings into Toronto that's not even speaking of you know Victor Vasquez and uh Raul uh Petretta but just uh, Petretta and 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 according to uh Bronby we got our center back we got Sigurd Rosted oh, okay. uh, we got that deal over the line nothing from the club yet but he's uh he's 
been given a uh, goodbye video from from the Swedish club he was playing for. Or yeah, Bromby's in Sweden. So right. uh, so yeah. Looks like that one's getting over the line too. So lots of action in terms of, of incoming moves in Toronto FC over the last so, week. So was week there a like a, a vibe among supporters that this wasn't enough still? Is that is that what you were saying? Uh, leading into this this sort of salvo of arrivals, absolutely. I mean, okay. uh, and that, that comes from two bad seasons. Uh, mm-hmm. That comes from, you know, uh, uh, a lot of bad vibes carrying over from last year. And especially... Um, you know, rarely does a team find themselves in the place that TFC found themselves coming into this offseason, wherein we had targets, like basically a checklist. We knew what our needs were uh, on a positional scale. So that that sort of created a whole lot of of frustration when moves weren't getting done because they it was such it was so clear to everybody that follows the team what needed to happen. I mean, certainly when you say goodbye to both your number one and your number two goalkeepers, you're you're so, you're going to be shopping for a goalkeeper in the in the off season. And, and then a lot of the moves that that preceded uh, uh, these these incoming transfers were outgoing moves. So we had a kid. Uh, amongst all the kids that we played uh, endlessly last season, Luca Petrasso, who actually made a, a pretty good impression at left back. And suddenly, you know, we were trading him away and losing uh, Crescito to, back to Genoa. So we found ourselves without any left backs. Uh, so there was like a, there was a feeling in, in fandom that the ends weren't justifying the means and the logic behind some of these outgoing transfers were was a little... Uh, uh, difficult to follow but i but i do feel like you know these incoming moves have addressed a lot of the concerns of the fandom certainly with as with all fandoms nobody's ever going to be happy <laughs> so so it's about mitigating the the slight unhappiness but i feel like we're definitely in a better place uh this week than we were you know a few weeks ago so and that only bolds well for the season that's coming up I was going to say, looking back at last year, 66 goals given up uh, had San Jose um, and who was it? Who else was it? DC United have not been so bad, um, almost historically bad. Uh, Toronto would have been up there, but Toronto was saved just by the fact that those two were just so horrendous on defense. Um, mm-hmm. can you talk a little bit about, like you talked about Petrasso, who is the one that was traded to Orlando City, I believe, right? Yes. Um, yes. And uh, I, I think. You know, with this defense, you obviously went into the offseason looking to add. And like you said, we, you could go in and add Hedges, uh, Hedges and Sean John. Um, can you kind mm-hmm. of speak to, like, you know, is, is that something that if they improve it, just, you know, getting it back to somewhat average, is that something that they think can really turn this club into a playoff contender this year? Absolutely. Absolutely. It can't be worse than what it was last year. And I would extend that to the year before. Um, we've been leaking goals for two seasons. Um, and like I was saying, uh, like I'll say from to pretty much anybody within earshot, you know, Sean Johnson, we know his floor. And that gives a certain measure of confidence that goes right up the pitch through midfield and attack, you know, for whatever reason. And, 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 and we can, you know, it just wasn't working anymore. Um, there have been lots of, of stats-based sort of doom-scrolling tweets going around comparing Alexander Bono to uh, Sean Johnson stats-wise, and it's a lot closer than we'd like to think. That the, the the issue is it may not even be about the player. It was probably just time to move on. And when your defense loses confidence in both goalkeepers, it's very difficult to get back. So it was time for a change. And like I said, knowing Sean Johnson's floor will create confidence that goes straight through. 
And, uh, you know, shoring up our back line with a guy like Matt Hedges, which is difficult because people want to see him as a replacement for Chris Mavinga, but they're actually totally different players. And if anything, you know, Matt Hedges would line up great with Chris Mavinga in 2017. So we now have a need for that unicorn left-footed center back that every football team on the planet wants to have 12 of. But the fact remains is that, you know, we needed a steadying presence in the back. Matt Hedges offers that steadying presence. So off the back of those two skill sets, you have to think that our defense will be better. And, and you know, the kids or the Shane O'Neills that we pair with Matt Hedges, if we don't end up making any more signings or if this Sigurd Rosted move doesn't doesn't work out, you know, and, and, and we don't believe the tweets coming from Bronby, uh, that's a lot better place than having two kids or a kid and a guy that was getting limited minutes at Seattle that was suddenly platooned into a starting center back role. So absolutely, absolutely. All right, so you just hit some key points there, Matt Hedges, Son Johnson. Um, what do we think about uh, Adama Diamande coming in from LAFC who had worked with Bradley before? Um, what type of role do you see him fitting into this team? Like, is he going to be starting? Is he going to be off the bench option? Like what's the best chances here for Diamande? That that's a, that's a really difficult question because we are, holding over it looks like we're going to hold over our two starting strikers from last season that had enormous difficulties adapting to bob bradley's system uh jesus jimenez came in immediately struck a great partnership with alejandro pozuelo bob bradley doesn't like playing with a 10 uh we tried rotating pause around to play as an eight maybe even as a as a sort of attacking midfielder second striker kind of thing it just wasn't working out uh so when when pause went to miami that changed the way the expectations for how Jimenez played. And then if you turn to Iwakanola, you're talking about a guy who had a career-altering ACL injury coming off the back of that, not getting regular minutes. And we all know how important consistent minutes are for a striker to find their form, et cetera, et cetera. It's the old chicken or the egg argument, right? Like you can't, you don't get the minutes unless you're scoring goals and you don't score goals unless you get the minutes. But, uh, I see Adama Diamande as someone that's going to put pressure on those two guys and is going they're going to platoon minutes. Um, but I think the expectation is that a full offseason is going to do wonders for both Jimenez and Akinola. A proper uh, blooding into Bradley's preferred system, some distance from the from the frustration of last year that sort of became, uh, you know, affected by its own inertia. Some time off from that and a reset may be what they need um so the hope is is that those two guys are going to perform and adama is kind of the you know a, a sub i don't want to say a super sub but certainly a an impact sub and that kind of things and put pressure on it but it would be a great problem to have if he starts just scoring goals for fun and you know takes the starting role away kind of thing uh his experience with bob bradley and bob bradley's system can only be a plus um my trepidation is of course um the player's age his injury history, the fact that he hasn't played a lot of uh, competitive football over the last couple of years. And then in the macro, and this is something that, um, you know, I, I've mentioned already, I don't like what it says about Bradley's recruiting ability if, you know, when push comes to shove, we keep signing players on the wrong side of 30 that have experience with Bob Bradley, you know, I, we, we, I don't want to, I don't want to speak in absolutes, but there's a bit of a disappointment that his Rolodex wasn't a bit deeper than, you know, the, the Bob Bradley show. Right. Um, 
and and you know, I don't want to hold them to any kind of a higher standard. You see this with some of the transfers that were going on in the Prem. Coaches like to work with players that they've worked with before. And certainly with a system as disciplined and as idiosyncratic as Bob Bradley's, I think it helps to have more people, especially in depth options that are familiar with the system. So it's one less variable when you're throwing the roster together. Yeah, I think you bring up an interesting point. And, and Jordan and I have gone back and forth on this just because I, I know that he respects Bob Bradley and what he's done. But it, it seemed like in his time with LAFC, as it came to an end, it almost seemed as if the players got tired of him. Uh, ownership was kind of like, okay, well, it, it, I think it's time to move on. But I think it speaks highly to the fact that he likes to bring in guys that he's uh, familiar with, guys that are more experienced with MLS, um, more experienced with his kind of style of play. Is there is there concern that maybe Bob you know, if things don't go well this year, that he kind of gets on the hot seat and they're kind of looking at him like, hey, you know, we brought you in here to kind of turn this around. It's just not been going that way. Absolutely. I mean, the thing that I think you leave out of of his end of the time at LAFC is that they're a young club and they have a identity that they like to uh, express that or expose that is in some ways counterproductive to a proper football roster. And I just think it was time for both parties to move on for the new shiny toy. LAFC have uh, direct competition over at Carson with uh, LA Galaxy, who, you know, so, so it's it, sometimes it's just about the optics and, 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 you know, it, it wasn't like Bob was doing that badly uh, to preclude a move. That being said, I have a problem and this is, almost counter to to my my goonerness because you know the gooner in me is is very much like trust the process you know right. people were calling for arteta's head and we trust the process and now look it's paying dividends but they're not the same coach bob bradley and mikel arteta to say nothing of the difference in age i do not want our team one of the first things bob bradley had to do when he came to toronto was was clear out a lot of dead weight and that's not just personalities in the locker room but that was overpaying a bad contracts that we have been saddled with for quite a long time. Um, I don't want to end up in the same way that we left. So there has to be a point where if it's not working, that we're prepared to pull the plug without ending up of a, of a, with a Bob Bradley team with no Bob Bradley. That's something I want to, that that's something I'm wary of um, because there, it has to stop. Like if we're not seeing results, then why would we keep, building a squad for an outgoing gaffer or or an outgoing gaffer slash sporting director so absolutely um there is definitely uh um an impetus to win in toronto it's a very competitive market toronto fc are perpetually playing second fiddle to the blue jays the maple leafs and other the raptors so they you know it's very important to to maximize the spending that we've done on the insignias and the Bernadeschis and maximize that window. So if it, you know, it may not be fair, life seldom is fair. If, if we're not seeing results this year and it's another year out of this enormous cost outlay to, to maximize these players, something has to be done. And if that, if that means parting ways with Bob Bradley, I, I, I think that might be the case. Just a, another quick question along that. How how many years do you think he actually has left with Toronto? Like, do you think this is uh, kind of like you said there that you wouldn't be, I guess, shocked if things don't go well, that they do part ways? But what's kind of like the, I guess, vibe amongst the fans of how many years do you think the fans are willing to give Bob? Uh, like, hmm. would they start really calling for his head? Like we're talking midseason, they're like 10th in the east or like you know that kind of stuff 
buddy, there are already people calling for his head. <laughs> uh, you know, I, I kind of, I, I think if we're not seeing measurable results now with a, with a roster that's, that's quite mm-hmm. Bob, um, but, but actually I, I answered that question already. I want to circle back to what, how much time do you think he has? Winning changes everything. Uh, you know, all of this is faff. If we do, if we have the season that the, that hope anticipated we'd have last year, this year, and it resets the clock. And the plan with Bob Bradley was never, I don't think the plan with Bob Bradley was a decade, you know, Alex Ferguson style as, right. as the gaffer. I think it was a transition to the sporting director role, maybe as a precursor for Michael Bradley, you know, joining the coaching staff. I think that the plan was a, a, a legacy kind of, kind of plan with Bob Bradley. Um, you know, give, giving him the keys to the academy, which has sort of been a, 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 an ugly stepchild of, of the Toronto FC brain trust for a while. Um, I, I think that was always in the plan. So, so certainly, um, he gets a he get if he can turn this club around. Um, and you know, right now we're saying, why are we giving him so many windows? But we start winning, and it's like, look at what he did in so few windows. You know how quickly right, the, right, right. the zeitgeist changes. So it really, you know, he's in a hot seat. But if he delivers on the promise and the and the good vibes and the and and all of that stuff, it resets the clock completely, completely. Yeah. So kind of speaking to, uh, I guess, uh, this current roster and how it's constructed. Um, what are some things that the fans, uh, if they're not following Toronto? Uh, closely what are some things that the fans can kind of look to and say all right these are some really key elements or players for toronto fc going forward in 2023 well i mean our starting 11 is pretty scary uh the depth underneath it not so much but uh our starting 11 i think can can measure up with just about anybody's in the east or west of, of mls um obviously you're looking at a preferred system that's much more tactical that's much more european tfc as a team at, at its best tfc is a possession heavy team that likes to play with the ball uh dictate the tempo of the game so you're and and also we're, we're transitioning into into much more of an emphasis on wide play which is bob bradley's preferred system so you're, you know you're looking at exciting wing play you're looking at a solid midfield that you know contains the the double eight and the and the six destroyer you're looking at uh, you know, f- uh, wide fullbacks that, that have a certain attacking uh, noose. In terms of players, obviously the top two would be Lorenzo Insigne and F- Federico Bernadeschi. Um, beyond that, you know, Michael Bradley still is an Iron Man out there. Um, the double the double eights of Mark Anthony Kay and Jonathan Osorio, who also play on the Canadiens men's national team, can't not be exciting. Uh, Richie Larea, who we're lucky to have back from Nottingham Forest, t- at least until this summer, um, is honestly too good for this league. And and it's a shame what happened to him on his Nottingham Forest adventure. Um, but we're happy to have him back and, and we'd love to make it permanent again. But I am a firm believer that maybe aside from Kai Wagner, he's the best fullback in MLS and, and is far too good for this league. And so uh, there's a lot of there. And of course, Sean John, who who is one of the most decorated uh, goalkeepers in in the league right now i i think um right right up and down uh we've got players to look for and certainly if you want the hipster pick it's victor vasquez uh quite possibly my favorite player to ever wear the shirt i know that's sacrilege when considering sebastian giovinko played for us but you know victor was the missing piece 
um, he was the missing piece that was that was that basically allowed for our tra domestic trouble. He was the straw that stirred TFC's drink. And considering um, the lack of cohesion in and midfield depth, bringing him back uh, in uh, what will certainly be a reduced role, uh, considering the player's age and, and the minutes he's logged on his legs. He's such a he's such a stylish. He's such a silky player. I mean that that La Masia training just oozes through the man. And and you know his first spell with the club, you often heard players like Jonathan Osorio and, and such so on and so forth talk about just what a knock on effect it was having Victor on the training pitch. And the expectation his first spell at TFC was that we would eventually turn him into a coach maybe give him the the third team, et cetera. Um, it didn't work out that way. I imagine that that's part of the plans now, you know, that that uh, he finishes his career here as a player and hopefully moves into an administrative role with the team. And who's going to turn down uh, Victor Vasquez on your coaching staff? That's just, that's that, that, that's that's a non-decision. So yeah, he, he's somebody that I would look out for too. I love that shout just because I, I think Greg Vanny thought, you know what, this this will work well bringing him over here. He'll be the glue that kind of holds us all together, but nobody can hold the galaxy together, I don't think. So it was like, dang, that didn't work out well. But like you said, I, it's such a staple that I think Toronto was kind of missing that heartbeat last year some just because the players were all trying to gel together. They got guys that yeah. were out injured, and it just felt like they were missing that one person in the midfield or you know, that leadership council to kind of sit down and go, hey, you know, this is what needs to happen. This is how I've done it. This is how we've been successful in the past. Absolutely. And then when you look at the styles, I mean, you've got you've got Lorenzo and Fede, who are, are classic Syria kind of tactical merchants. And then you add that sort of La Liga, you know, Barcelona flair coming from Victor Vasquez. That's th those are two great tastes that taste great together. So, you know, it, it, it all bodes well for the future. Absolutely. All right, so for our last question, we usually like to ask, what would be a successful season for TFC? So obviously, you know, a successful season would be like MLS Cup, but talking like bare minimum, what has to be achieved um, for them to say this was a step forward? I, I love this question. Um, and as much as we all got bit by the Hope Monster last year, last year we were playing with house money. And so for me, a successful season begins with maybe some positives from a, the playing the kids experiment at the, at the outset of last season, I'd like to see the kids come back with a proper off season, given more defined roles, as opposed to just being thrown out there and seeing what sticks, um, may, figuring out if they can hack it as depth options, as squad players in MLS is very important for the health of the academy, for the health of the of the roster and, and, and how we spend our money. Um, you know, TFC is always expected to take home the Canadian Championship, which is our U.S. Open Cup. We are perpetual winners. Uh, I don't think you will find any TFC fan that would say a successful season doesn't include hoisting the Canadian Championship. It's getting um, it's becoming a much more competitive uh, tournament now that the teams in the in our domestic league, the Canadian Premier League, are coming into their own identities. And at the same time, we have our third tier teams in League One Ontario spending more money and becoming more defined. So it gets less and less easy with every year. I would I would say that needs to be successful. Being competitive in MLS, I think my issue with 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 tying a bow on that is this league's cup has thrown everything into into such disarray. If you look at our schedule, we're so front loaded. You know, we can't pull a Sounders this year. We couldn't even 
begin to think of what we what we were expecting last year, which was, you know, we'll just coast until the Italians arrive in the summer and then, you know, pull a Seattle and, and, and get into the playoffs. We play double the amount of games and not triple the amount of games before the League's Cup as we do after the League's Cup. So we've really got to hit the, ra- the ground running, which affects, you know, how I, how I would judge a successful season. I want to see measurable uh, changes. I, I want to see the team a lot more cohesive. I want to see a lot of the, a lot of the sort of uh, uh, new car uh, kinks worn out of, of the enterprise. Um, you know, getting into the playoffs, absolutely, especially considering, you know, how many teams get into the playoffs. I think getting into the playoffs, doing a run would help. But for me, and again, this is preseason, so you'll never find me more, uh, uh, you know, l- less plugged into win, 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 win. Uh, I just, I want to see improvement, me- measurable improvement from one season to the X. And I want to, I want to know that our cost outlay and our two big DPs is paying dividends and they're not cutting as frustrated a figure as they were near the end of last season. I'd like to see some cohesion there. All right. Well, thank you for jumping on here. Where can people find Any you? Anytime, guys. Uh, if for the next month, until we figure out what's going on with yeah. uh, Waking the Red and the XP Nation sites, uh, Waking the Red is still live and you can read my work and, and the work of lots and lots of talented and passionate TFC uh, uh, cub reporters on Waking the Red. We do a weekly uh, podcast called Toronto Till I Die, which you can find on the Twitters, on the Instagrams, on the podcatchers. Uh, you know, you can watch us live on on YouTube or you can listen to it later. Uh, we do that every week and uh, it's it's a tremendous amount of fun. Uh, and that's that that's it for now. But who, who knows, you know, maybe uh, maybe I end up uh, buying a football club in in, in, <laughs> in Wales or something, you know, and, and then I'll, the next time I'm on, I'll tell you all about how, how that worked out. But uh, for now, those are my links. Create all the discourse online between MLS. And, <laughs> yeah, and you got to compare the club. Yeah. yeah, I'm gonna start. I'm gonna start pro rel in my apartment, and, that, and that, that'll be the <laughs> that'll at least please all the fans over here on the United States side. Yeah, exactly. We'll be thrilled. Exactly. We'll be like, yeah, totally need it. Yeah, totally need pro rel. It's the it's the answer for all the ails you pro rel. You got a cold, pro rel. Honestly, you need you need you need ta- help with your taxes, promotion, relegation. Let's go. Let's go. <laughs> anyway, this was a pleasure, guys. Anytime. I'm happy to do this anytime. Thank you. And we're back from our break. That was great talking some TFC Logan. But before we go, I want to talk about this Conobol Concacaf strategic partnership. Is how they worded this officially. So we got confirmation that yes. The U.S. is going to host the Copa America in 2024. Now, this has been in the works for some time. I read that like it was for sure for seven months, but they didn't want to announce anything because of getting in the way of like ads, like selling ads for the thing, whatever. But it's official. But the reason why, like when a player like Tyler Adams says, "Yes, we're going to be playing on the Copa America," and U.S. says, "That's not for sure." is because we now learn that you have to qualify for it through the Nations League. So I can totally see now where they're like, hey, like we should be there. Tyler is like, yeah, we'll be there because we should. But because it's going to have six teams. And uh, so we should make it. But also why U.S. soccer was like telling its people as sources, like oh, it's not guaranteed because there is a qualification method. So they'll qualify through the Nations League 
but it's not the current nations league. It's the 23 to 24 nations league. I believe. So right now we're in the 22 to 23 nations league. It's going to base it off of 23, 24. We don't really have any information on that part of it yet. They are making a gold cup for the women's national teams though, which I think is great. That's great for, Maybe not the U.S., but it is great for every other team in this region for the women's. Um, like Jamaica women's team, all, all these nations that have or are or yeah, that have or are looking to expand their women's national teams to be able to play in a competitive tournament like the Gold Cup that's not just the She Believes Cup where it's invitational. Like if you actually have an example an actual tournament that gets this rest of the CONCACAF region in to the thing would be great. So I'm very, very pumped for having a gold cup. Um, and it's going to actually invite four of the Conobal nations uh, for the women's as well. So it's going to be a 12 team tournament. And it's going to be played in the U.S. as well during 2024. So we're going to have a lot of stuff going on in the year 2024. But what they also just announced, as if there couldn't be more stuff to announce, they just announced that they will be doing um, a Final Four-style club competition featuring the best clubs from Conobal and CONCACAF Meaning, I guess I would think the winner of the Champions League and the runner-up of the Champions League and the winner of Copa Libertadores and the runner-up of Copa Libertadores. This is the only way it makes sense, I think. If you're doing a final four, I think that's the way you would do it. But the first one of that's going to be in 2024 as well. Jesus, it's all 2024. But yeah, so there you go. We're going to host the gold cup i mean not the gold cup we already we always host that we're gonna host copa america my thought on it is that i didn't want to host it i said it a few weeks ago i want our u.s players to be able to learn how to play in more hostile environments but as a fan that might be able to go see a copa america game now i'm like okay that's fine because they're talking about how some of the nations that are hosting the world cup in 2026 not the nations the cities are going to be hosting this. So like Philly's already working on a Copa America game and that's really close to me. So I think I'm kind of in on this slogan. I, I think I'm really excited for Copa America. Yeah. These are great teams uh, just to kind of list out some teams that we're going to be able to get to see Argentina, uh, Uruguay. I think you'll see Colombia, Brazil, Ecuador, Venezuela, Paraguay, Peru. I mean, these are all great teams in South America that you're going to get to face. Um, I'm fingers crossed. I don't think it's going to happen. I, I think Messi is done by then. Um, but who knows? Like maybe, hey, this is his last hurrah. Come to the United States, play up here, and then come to the MLS. I don't know. Um, but yeah, I, I think it's cool because the United States gets to play in a tournament, Jordan, that is going to be a great ramp up for World Cup 2026. And we're going to get to, you know, test out some of these cities and see what it's all about. And, and, Honestly, if there's a game here in Orlando, I don't know who's playing, but I'm going. Um, I think it'd be a lot of fun to kind of see. Uh, I do know that they're trying to use as many World Cup cities as possible to kind of test out and, and see how it'll all work. 
But this is going to be a massive tournament here in the United States because there are tons. And uh, if you guys watched the um, Camp Cupcake, if you watched when Colombia came to L.A., it was, I mean, probably 65% Colombian fans. And it was so cool because it, it, the United States is that melting pot. There's a lot of Argentinian fans. There's a lot of Ecuadorian fans, Chile, Peruvian, um, especially here in Florida. So it, it, you know, I'm excited about this. I think this is great for the South Americans that do live here in this country. The Brazilians, like, I think you've got to play in Florida. Uh, we have such a huge Brazilian population. Um, this would be cool. Jordan, you know what else I thought it would be cool? If I don't know how logistics, they might have already announced this, but it would be really cool if they could somehow find a way to invite Mexico and Canada, just because I think it would be interesting. Yeah. Just to well, it's going to be six CONCACAF teams. Oh, really? Okay, yeah. so then probably, right? And they're all qualifying through the Nations League. So okay. you would think us, th- us three are getting in. Gotcha. Okay, I, 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 I think. I didn't know the specifics on that part, but unless if Mexico has a whole another meltdown issue again, yeah. But um, they should be there. Canada should be there. We should be there, and I would assume maybe Honduras, Costa Rica, Jamaica, right, have good shots of, of those. Would be there. it would be so cool. Like this tournament would be like this is a tournament, Jordan. I think that I mean if Copa, if this goes well here, I could totally see the U.S. going to South America uh, in the years to come just to play. You know, have a Copa in Brazil or have a Copa you know, in, in different cities around uh, South America. So I don't know. This is cool. I like this idea. Make this a thing in FIFA. I'm all for it. Yeah, it's crazy. We did play in Copa in 2016. It was hosted here as well. But it was like a special one. Like they still had the one in 14 and 15 or like, I don't know. It was like a or 14 and 17. I don't know. It, it was like they they did it specifically for a senti- uh, you know, for having a hundred years of Copa America. And we did pretty, we did pretty well in that, but then we did not qualify for the world cup. So that, that sucked. But I just hope that it's not always for us to play in it. We're going to host it. There has to be a time where we are, I think invited and play in Argentina, in Uruguay, in Brazil, and just face that stuff. I, I think, it's more acceptable right now because we are hosting the world cup in 2026. So like you said, it's giving the cities a dry run two years beforehand that says, Hey, are you guys ready? Because you're going to be dealing with a lot of these Brazilians, Argentinians, Colombians, they're all going to be coming. And then make sure you're prepared. Have the hotels ready, have the flights, the airport's got to be ready. You know, all this stuff's got to be, 100% 100% ready to go. Traffic, all that kind of crap that we're that you're going to have to deal with as being a host nation. You're going to get a smaller tournament now, and then you're going to get the big deal in 2026 when Europe comes over, Asia comes over, and all of these, the whole world is here celebrating in 2026. So uh, I'm excited for this. I'm actually really excited about the club competition too, having a Final Four type thing that we don't know how the Club World Cup is going to be structured. Right, we just don't. And if it's going to change to every four years, that's the rumor. Then, yes, I do like the idea that every year, if we get to a Champions League final, we can have one of our teams go up against Conable opponents. So that is something I'm. I think is is good. Right. I know people were kind of complaining about how many competitions it's adding, but it's a four team thing. So it's probably only 
maybe three games that they're playing. It depends on how they structure it, right? I would assume maybe two games you play. You immediately go to a knockout, and then you get to a final. That's how I would probably structure it. So overall, probably not a lot of games added on for the Conable CONCACAF club tournament. So, All right. Well, Logan, if you're able to tell us, what teams are we previewing next week? Yeah, so I'm excited. Um, just to preface this before we head into the teams that we're doing next week, we won't actually be giving our predictions until the live prediction show that we do every year. Um, pretty darn close to the season. I think we try to get as close as we can to that season that Monday before. Um, so that's when we will actually give our live predictions on where we think these teams finish and we're going to be wrong. Golden boot, and everything like that, all that fun. But Jordan, the next show, Rapids. Quakes, RSL, LAFC, and the LA Galaxy. I'm going to try to get Gio, uh, who we've had on before, because he covers both LAFC and the Galaxy. Might as well bang them both out um, with Gio, just because we've had a lot of fun with him last time. And I think that there's a lot to talk about with these two clubs, as always. So that's exciting. Um, One last thing I do want to do before we get off here. If you guys have the opportunity, do head over and check out our pinned tweet, the people that used to be the bent musket are now called the blazing musket. They just did a release of their website, but they're also doing a uh, t-shirt. Jordan, what happened? Did I flinch or something? No, just how do you, how do you spell musket again? Can don't, you spell no, that out for ask, them? Don't ask me. Um, I thought you guys should have gone with the burnt muscat M U S K A T. Um, thank you. Uh, not autocorrect for not fixing my stupid spelling mistake. Um, Jordan, I thought that's how you spell musket to be honest with you. Um, but again, if you guys haven't, please do go check out their link. Uh, we pinned our tweet um, for our uh, friends over at the Blazing Musket. Yeah, you got them. a shirt. I got a I shirt. It's Once great. it arrives, we'll wear it. We will. But yeah. Hopefully. Uh, Jordan, I think we should wear it on the preview day then, right? Obviously. If it's here by then, it, yeah. Yeah, we can wear it on their preview day while we have the revs on. So uh, I think we'll do that. We'll have some of the guys from the Blazing Musket on uh, and see if they want to come on. Maybe we can get... Uh, two of them to jump on so that way we can really show our support so um, show your love to all the SB Nation formers because uh, it's a tough time right now and they could really deserve it Um, and I think they do deserve it over those national people that um, don't really care about you and I sometimes so yeah well thank you all for listening you can follow us at Stateside Show on Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, email us statesideshow at gmail.com. Wednesday, third episode, no, second episode of our Ted Lasso recap is up. I'm so confused because we filmed so many of these already. But the second one uh, is going to be available to watch and listen. And you can also follow its own feed at believe underscore cast on Twitter and link tree. But thank you all for listening. Have a great rest of your week. We'll catch you next time. Tomorrow throwing his body in. It's going to fall for Ibrahimovic. Oh, come on. Come on. Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the u.s men's national team americans abroad mls usl this is stateside soccer show presented by stop it's time soccer show have a good one